Hi, and welcome to this new episode of Papa PhD. I've often talked about preparing for job interviews on the podcast, but things like personal branding, networking, and navigating the application process are also key when you're looking to get into grad school. Today, I'm bringing you a conversation about best practices for the grad school application with my guest, Kira Denine. During our conversation, Kira also shared how science communication, and in particular podcasting, have played a key role in her passage through grad school, and how they are still key elements in her current role as a genetic counselor today. I think there's so many different types of media where you can get your feet wet. Um, you know, even just writing articles, blog posts. Um, I know I've done, you know, quite a bit of that in my career as well. And just working on those communication skills. Um, I think that made my adjustment from graduating from grad school to working that much easier because I had been working on these communication skills and it was much easier for me. Like in my job, I have to explain genetics to patients. So that's what I do all day. So having the podcast that's what I also do. You still have the imposter syndrome. I know I've heard that mentioned on other episodes of your show and like, you know, it's, it's getting through that. But I think the more exposure that you've had and the more experience is making that easier. Um, so all jobs have some form of communication to them. So I think it's really important to, you know, try it out. Welcome to Papa PhD with David Mendez, the podcast where we explore careers and life after grad school with guests who have walked the road less traveled and have unique stories to tell about how they made their place in a world of constantly evolving rules. Get ready to go off the beaten path and hop on for an exciting new episode of Papa PhD. Welcome to this new episode of Papa PhD. Today, I have the pleasure of having with me Kira Denin. Kira has a master's in genetic counseling and a decade of podcast experience fueled by a passion for science communication. She has hosted and produced five podcasts. Her main show, DNA Today, is in the top 1.5% of podcasts globally. In it, Listeners discover new advances in the world of genetics through Kira's interviews about genetic technology, disorders, and news. The show has produced over 180 episodes with over 320,000 downloads. And I know that's, that, you, that may mean nothing to you, the listener, but it's a lot. <laughs> and has won the best 2020 and 2021 Science and Medicine Podcast Awards. First, congratulations. And second, welcome to Papa PhD, Kira. Thank you, David. Yeah, it's great being here. Um, I've listened to a couple of your episodes, the English ones, since I unfortunately mm -hmm. don't speak French. <laughs> um, <laughs> well, but yeah, you have a great show. So I was really happy when you invited me on. Yes, we met uh, at, the, at an event by um, the, the Podcast Academy. And uh, there's a mentorship, uh, there's a mentorship Anyway, structure there, and we, we kind of met in one of those. And once I saw DNA today, I was like, hmm, I need to talk to her. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I'm super happy to have you here. Uh, you're, you're, no, it's super impressive to see you've been podcasting for over 10 years. You know, it's, 
considering when podcasts were born, it's been a while. <laughs> yeah, a good chunk um, of my life. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> um, and uh, of course, one one of the reasons why I'm also super excited you're here is because you you're a scientist. You have uh, you've, you have the the masters in in genetic counseling that that you uh, that you've done. Um, and that actually, I, I, you know, we're going to talk about that. That's going to be one of the axes that we're going to follow, uh, which has to do with applying to graduate school, et cetera, et cetera. I think you, I, I think, no, I know you have some, uh, some golden nuggets to share of yours Hopefully. about that. <laughs> but, uh, also one of the things that, that I find it very inspiring is how much science communication has become a part of your day to day, a part of how you interact with science, with even your, your, domain of research and and I'm really really curious to to kind of pick your brain and and ask you how it has you know how doing a podcasting has affected uh, your evolution even within your your domain of interest and of work and of research so and the spoiler is it has influenced me a lot <laughs> <laughs> there you go <laughs> All right. Well, uh, maybe to start, you know, I gave a really short and very podcast focused intro of you. Uh, for people who are listening or watching and would like to to know a little better uh, about who Kira is, uh, what what's one thing you would add to that list to uh, to present yourself a little a little bit more in depth? Well, since I'm on the show, I feel like I should give a disclaimer. I do not have my PhD, <laughs> so I went through grad school, um, but I got a master's, so a little bit different there. Um, but yeah, I just I find genetics to be super interesting. And I just, you know, as you said, like have a passion for science communications and I've used podcasting as a way to build my career. Um, and it's now a big chunk of my career. Um, so, you know, just being a genetic counselor, I think that's the other piece of it. Um, so I help patients understand their genetics so that they can make informed healthcare decisions, help them with genetic testing. Um, so that's kind of what my career is like. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And, and I, I, um, want to kind of share that I, I've been on the other side of, of what you do. Someone in my partner's family had um, uh, Lou Gehrig's. And so eventually we, uh, you know, there, there was, there's always a possibility of there being a hereditary, oh my God, a hereditary, a hereditary aspect to it. And so we, I think uh, we were with a colleague of yours here in Montreal uh, eventually we discovered that no, in our case, it, it wasn't the case because we, Kind of worried for our kids, you know, but but um, but I'm sure. First, I, I think it's a very. Um, I'm going to say it like this because I went into biology a lot because of genetics, and I think it's very cool. It's the first thing that I was going to say, and I'm sure at times taxing or emotionally taxing or you know not so easy to do and noble, and for that reason, noble to do uh, at certain moments what you do and to help people understand maybe what they're going through, the mechanisms of what they're going through, the re the repercussions and helping them make decisions that can be very difficult to make without, without counseling and alone. So. Yeah, I think that's well said. And it's, it's definitely as interesting as genetics is. It's very hard when you're talking to patients and it is, you know, a case where there's a high risk for a genetic condition to be there. Um, you know, I work in pregnancy, so that's like my area. Um, but in grad school, we did training in a lot of different areas of genetics and it, it definitely can be tough. I mean, sometimes when I'm meeting with patients, they're like, this is the hardest thing I've ever experienced in my life. And like the hardest decisions of, of having to make there. Um, 
And it's those cases that you remember. It's those patients of being able to help them through that. So as, as challenging as it is in the moment, that's what I'm remembering. And that's when I feel like, wow, I'm making an impact on this person's life as opposed to everything looks great. Everything's normal. Good luck. Like see it for the next pregnancy, maybe, you know, so it's definitely, um, you know, very different, different kind of sessions there. Yeah. In any case, I, I always find it, uh, impressive people who, who are end up fighting, you know, choosing a job where they have such a direct impact on actual people's lives and actually, and, and, you know, have eventually to deal with people's emotions in the, on their day to day. So. Anyway, thanks. Thanks for what you do. <laughs> um, now, now actually a question that stems directly from that, uh, it, because yes, it's called Papa PhD. The show is called Papa PhD, but uh, I've had uh, different um, different guests who've, who've done their master. So grad school is basically the kind of the frontier that I'm kind of putting between just a bachelor's and uh, and graduate school. And then often some people even start a PhD and end up, end up finding out it's not for them and they you know they uh they uh, keep their masters and and go with that which by some reports has some advantages some financial advantages but certainly that does be, yeah that can that can be for another conversation um where but where i was going is is uh, a master's in genetic counseling the requirement or a requirement to become a genetic counselor yes yeah, so i can speak to the us and canada which i'd imagine is probably most of your listener base um, so in both countries, in order to be a certified genetic counselor, you need to have graduated from one of the 40 plus programs um, that we have in Canada has about four programs and the rest are in the US, you know, um, so the US is a lot more than Canada. So like in my class there, we had five Canadians, um, just because, you know, I, I was in New York. So it's just like, okay, apply to the New York schools. Yeah, definitely for people, um, you know, in Ottawa and Toronto and, you know, like that whole area. Um, but yeah, so having a master's in genetics and like human genetics, um, that's the terminal degree right now in genetic counseling. Okay. So there is no PhD in genetic counseling, but you know, maybe years from now, someone will be listening to this and be like, now there is, right? So that could change, you know, maybe we'll be grandfathered in, who knows, uh, fingers crossed. But yeah, for now, this is the terminal degree. That being said, some people go on to get their PhD in genetics or something that's like an adjacent um, or course. something, you know, that can go with it. Um, but yeah, so that's kind of how genetic counseling is a little bit different. So you don't have to do as much training as, um, you know, doctors and, and other different types of careers in healthcare. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's targeted towards that career. Can I ask you what your bachelor's was before? Sure. Yeah. So, um, since high school, I knew I wanted to do something in genetics. So mm -hmm. I went for an undergrad degree and it's officially called diagnostic genetics. Um, diagnostic genetic Gen sciences. Yep. Um, so I focus on cytogenetics. So looking at like chromosomes. Um, so, you know, doing karyotypes, that's what I was doing for like two years, <laughs> lots and lots <laughs> of karyotypes. Um, so yeah, that's what I focused on in undergrad. Um, that was very particular. There's only like a couple programs in the country. I happened to be at a school that had a program. Um, so that was kind of just fate that that happened, but a lot of people that go on to genetic counseling school have come from a variety of different backgrounds. I think the most common is biology and psychology. Um, but, you know, one of my roommates came from like more of like a criminal law background, which like you wouldn't oh, wow. expect. Right. Um, so as long as you have those core classes, the genetics classes, the psychology classes, like, you know, some chem classes, 
um, mm. then you can apply. So, you know, you could be like a dance major or, um, you know, anything really, um, as long as you have those core classes. And, the core cl- it makes yeah. sense. It makes and I sense. think it's interesting coming from a different background because, you know, the roommate that I mentioned, um, Ashlyn Anokian, so she ended up being my partner for our thesis project. Okay. And so we ended up doing a thesis project that was related to law. So that was really helpful to have her as my partner, right? So she could explain all of that to me because I don't, I don't know law. Now I know a little bit more. But yeah, it's just, it's nice to hear from people that come from different backgrounds. So I think it's certainly advantageous to have like a unique background. Mm-hmm. And like you mentioned at the beginning, the applications, uh, you know, vary uh, of this type of, of your type of, of knowledge. It's not only pregnancies, it can be rare diseases. But I imagine criminology also, uh, you know, I can see how how having a career type, uh, you know, matching another one can solve a problem. <laughs> right. Anyway. So we had like the Golden State Killer a few years ago out of like California. So they were identified based on DNA testing and like through like relatives. Um, so there's certainly and that I'm sure we'll hear more and more cases of that. So there's just, you know, you think of something, I'm sure there's a genetic like job available within that yeah. in a healthcare space. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. So so again, for anyone who's listening and wants to go that way, I think uh, Kira just shared a little bit of the blueprint of what, what to do. And the master's is kind of the key to, to, to get there. Now, um, you said, you know, you've shared with us that you were, you've been interested in genetics generally for a while, but then there must've been a moment, uh, you know, at, by the end of your bachelor's where you started uh, thinking about, okay, what's the next step and what do I need to do to get to the next step? Do you remember that time? Did you, did you have different choices or, or was like genetic counseling, like the main focus from day one? Yeah, that's a good question. So I think it was late high school for me when I was trying to figure out like, okay, I know I want to do genetics. That was locked in. But like, okay, what what does a career in genetics look like? What are my options? Like, I think a lot of people right away think, okay, lab, like do research. And that was interesting to me, but I was like, I don't know if that's going to hold me because there's not a big communication aspect on a daily basis with working mm-hmm. research. And I mean, I have a podcast. I love talking. I love communicating with the public and teaching and educating. So um, I didn't think that would work out for me. Um, I don't think I had like the patience for uh, the research. So I started looking at other careers and my mom is a social worker. So I grew up with, you know, that influence and like, she has always loved her career um, and just loved her interactions with clients. So I was like, Hmm, okay. I really like this, but it's not nerdy enough for me. So then my mom actually discovered genetic counseling. She's like, I found your career. And I'm like, okay, what is it this time? And she was like, genetic counselor, you can basically do what I do but it's more nerdy. It's like got that whole genetics angle that you were looking for. And I was like, okay, okay, let's look into this. Um, so I think it was like end of high school when I found mm-hmm. genetic counseling. And and there was definitely moments where I was like, do I want to go into genetic counseling? Like, is every day going to be really sad? Like, is my, you know, mm-hmm. just, you know, a lot of our life is working, you know, especially in Canada and the US, like the cultures that we're in. Um, and I did worry about that for a couple months. I was like, I don't know. I, I, really question if I wanted to go into the career. But then I came to the realization that patients are going to be going through these experiences, whether I'm there or not. So either I can be there to help them through it, or I'm not. So, you know, it's not something that, you know, I'm causing any of this, right? Um, But I just have the opportunity to educate them and support them through what can be really hard times. So 
Um, I think once I took that perspective on and was able to shadow genetic counselors, I was like, okay, I can really see myself doing this now that, you know, depending on what type of job you have in the field, um, you know, some days are going to be sad and then other days are, you know, more normal, neutral, even upbeat. Um, mm-hmm. so I think it really, really depends. Um, but that's kind of like the roller coaster of what I went through in order to <laughs> yeah, be yeah, like, yeah, yeah. okay, genetic counseling, let's do it. So, so that's, that's kind of lucky because, uh, you know, a lot of us, uh, takes, takes time. And, and anyway, there's, there's different things that different things on the plate and we don't, you know, it might be difficult to choose. You seem that, you know, with the help of your mom, it's just awesome how it happened that you kind of found your thing. And, and uh, I think it's a, it's a, it's a blessing in a way, but, um, what I would like to bring in this episode is how looking for a, a, a graduate school and a position, you know, uh, to, for a master's in your case, in a graduate school has parallels with looking for a job in a specific com- company or corporation or, or, or organization of any kind. And I'd really like to to hear if if there was some sort of strategy to how first you went through bachelors, uh, second uh, you established connections, maybe you know did some networking even during your bachelor's years, and then you know what sort of like personal branding, let's say strategies you used to pose yourself as the the best candidate for a place in that or or that graduate program. Yeah, I think that's a really good prompt because networking to me is huge. I think that's one of the most important things in, in your career. Um, I don't, I didn't have stellar grades in undergrad. I tried my best. I'm someone that has to study a lot to get the grades of other people. Um, so, you know, sometimes I'd have roommates in college. They're like, oh, I can just study a couple hours for an exam. I'm like, couple hours? I'm sitting all weekends. Like I'm just taking meal and sleep breaks. Um, so you know, I'm not someone that I consider to be like a brainiac, just raw brain talent and just getting things and it sticks in your brain. Um, so I knew I had to compensate in other areas. So to be very transparent, my GPA was, um, let's say GP, like general practitioner, GPA um, was 3.2 in college. So it was fine, but it wasn't like, wow, like 3.9, 4.0. So I really focused on, as you said, like personal branding. So I did a lot of networking. A lot was through my podcast. Um, so just being able to talk to people at my university um, at undergrad and say, okay, can I interview you for the show? And then it's like, oh, once I interviewed them, they're like, do you want to work in my lab? And I'm like, yes, I would love that. Um, so just getting involved and making those connections early on. So I think when I was a sophomore, I was working in a genetics lab um, and really just working under like, um, a research assistant. So I was even, you know, below that. So Mm -hmm. I was more just like learning from him and seeing like, okay, we were doing karyotypes and doing cell cultures. And so just learning a lot of those basics. And I found it really helpful because then I knew a lot more going into my genetics program, which was junior and senior year. The first two years were like, you know, those common core classes, gen eds and all that. So, Um, I found that to be really helpful because once I had those connections, I think that's also what helped me even get into my genetic undergrad program because I think in my, you know, there was 12 of us about, um, and I think I had the lowest GPA. So I'm like, Hmm, I think they, you know, maybe that was a big part of it. Like here's super motivated and she wants to be here. She may not be the top of the class, but she really wants to be here. She wants to be, you know, making a career for herself. Um, so I think just showing that like you're passionate and you're, you're, you know, very resourceful with, 
you know, the people you're meeting and figuring out like, oh, who do they know that they could introduce me to? And how is a way that I can either help them and like say, hey, do you need an intern? Do you need any extra help with anything? Um, I think people, you know, millennials, Gen Z, I'm kind of right on the the line there, um, you know, offering like to companies and different organizations, can I help with your social media? Because oftentimes it's older people doing it and they may not be as well versed in it. And that's a skill set that, you know, most people have um, that are on the young side. Um, so I think really just taking advantage of whatever you have access to. Um, that was my big thing and how I think I've gotten to where I am today. It's really interesting. And what it makes me think of is, you know, when you when you go, uh, when you kind of uh, apply for a position and you send your CV, the CV is kind of like your, your uh, G- is it GPA that you said? Right, uh, GPA. Yeah. A CV is like a GPA. You're kind of two-dimensional. The, you know, it's a piece of paper that really doesn't show your depth. And by 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 finding a way, in your case, it was having this podcast and interviewing people. And when you interview, you establish relationships, you have conversations. There's, you know, there's, there's an exchange of, of different things. People see your body language. They feel your energy. You, you, you came from this like maybe unidimensional being, which was your, your grades to you, to becoming a three dimensional one who, oh, well, she's so interesting and she's so dynamic and she's so interested. And then the importance, kind of the ponderation of, of that grade started being lower and lower versus the, the whole reality of you as a burgeoning scientist in that case. And I think there's a great parallel to make in, in, when you're looking for a job, which is your CV is just one thing that if, if, you know, if, you, if it's the only thing you send out, you're going to be compared to other CVs and it's just going to be numbers. So, you know, there's a lot of, um, I tried to, and I just gave a workshop on, on personal branding for scientists wanting to either get a, a job in academia or out of it. And it's a lot about showing your other dimensions. I really, really, I think it, your, your example illustrates that so well. Yeah, I think it's important just to be able to utilize like the network you have and grow that network. Because I think about, you know, I've had different clients over the years and jobs and the vast majority of them have been through networking. When I've just applied to jobs through like like LinkedIn jobs or Monster or Indeed, like all of those, like you very rarely hear back. You could be the best candidate, but like there's just so many people putting it in. Whereas if you know someone that knows the hiring manager, you get that personal introduction, like that's how it happens. Um, so I think that's just so important. And I wish there was more of a focus of that, like in undergrad. Like um, my experience of this was just, you know, going out, like make, you know, fake it until you make it kind of thing. Like, I'm just going to keep trying. Right. Um, and even now, like I reach out to guests all the time and, you know, famous scientists, I never hear back, but I'm like, well, what if they say, yes, I'm just going to put myself out there. Um, you know, it's kind of like dating. Like you just have to get used to, you know, the like, nope, we're just declining that. Nope. You know, the rejection there. Um, and say, all right, well, you know, I tried. <laughs> go for it. Yeah. Like, what's the worst? They say, no. All right, move on. Um, so I think, yeah, the networking is just so important. Um, and that's what I think how you can build a career um, and just thinking about like, who knows who and, and who do you want to talk to? How are you going to get there? Can, can you find a way like, you know, a web of people saying, okay, I know this person, they know this person um, and just keep working it. Mm-hmm. And I guess in undergrad, it's really a lot about finding out where the labs are and and 
finding the one that you'd like to work in and try to offer your help do you know doing whatever under uh, like you said like a, a lab assistant or whatever but just show you know show your face there show your interest and help and i think that goes a long ways to to getting people to know you and to then to then think of you if an opportunity arises or to ask for your help if there's a new project i agree yeah that's a really good point now what about the the nitty gritty of um uh, or do you have any advice on actually the mechanics of getting into a program because there's bureaucracy there's you know there's there's different things there's timelines there's there's deadlines do you have any advice on that side yes i think hopefully i have good advice um it's so involved i mean i can only speak to the genetic counseling um you know application process for grad school but i think a lot of it applies to other grad schools as well especially in that science space um, it's a long process because throughout undergrad, you're hopefully working towards beefing up that resume, that CV that we've been talking about, um, and setting yourself up to be a good applicant. And then when it comes to summer, um, so that's, you know, summer, like for some people at senior year, for me, it was the year after, cause I took a gap year. Um, summer is when I started writing my personal statement because I wanted ample time to be able to make it perfect or as, as close to perfect as I could get it. Um, so I really took the summer to write, rewrite, throw it out complete, you know, just like write so many times, so many drafts, um, and had a lot of people read it. Um, so, you know, started with like family and friends reading it, um, giving me feedback saying, don't hold back. Like this has to be good. And then passing it along to genetic counselors that I had shadowed with saying, Hey, you're in this space. Like, do you mind reading my personal statement and giving me feedback? Like, is there anything that you feel like is missing or did I get anything wrong genetics? Right. Cause I don't want to do that. Um, so, you know, I think having someone that's, you know, sort of a mentor or someone that you've had that is in the position that you want to be in, read your personal statement is the best. Um, now it's come full circle. Now I read applicants, um, personal statements, if they're looking for any advice and seeing, you know, if they're on the right track. Um, but yeah, I found that to be really helpful. Um, and then it's, yeah, it's like actually going through and like applying to all of the programs that you want to. Um, for me, I applied to seven programs. Um, I wanted to stay in like the New York area. I didn't want to go too far. Um, and lucky for me, there is a lot of programs in this area. Um, but that's not necessarily the, you know, the case certainly in Canada um, and other parts of the U.S. So I think figuring out like what schools you want to apply to and what's going to be a good match for you. Um, and what we have is the match system. Have you heard of the match system? No, no, go ahead. So what the match system is, it's basically you apply to all of these schools. And if you get an interview, an interview at that school, then you rank them. So for me, it wasn't just seven, it was seven schools, but it was multiple tracks of ranking because some of the schools might have a scholarship track or something, right? So I'm like, okay, I'm going to rank the scholarship track earlier than the normal ad admission um, track because I want to get a scholarship, right? <laughs> so you want to maximize your chances there. Um, so I was the first year of the match program. Um, so I enrolled in 2018. Um, so Basically, you rank the schools, they rank you after interviews, and then it goes into this, you know, to make it simple, goes into this black box um, with this algorithm. And then on match day, um, which is usually late April, 
then it's announced um, who are the students at each program. So you you get an email um, that's like, okay, you either matched or you didn't match. And if you did match, then what school have you matched with? So the old school way of doing it was like, you would just get a bunch of schools that you got into and then you'd have to contact them and say, okay, yes, I'll accept. I'll take it. Mm-hmm. Right. And that was quite a mess from what I hear from, um, you know, peers that are a little older than me. Um, so now I think it's a much better process. I was definitely nervous going into it cause I was like, mm-hmm. oh, I feel like I have less control, right? They're just going to tell yeah, me. Yeah. The random aspect. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but I think when it comes down to it, like you're ranking the schools and the, student has it it favors the student over the schools which i think is a good thing um so certainly like i tell applicants don't rank a school if you don't want to go to them because you could even if it's the last on your list um but i think you know once you kind of learn about the match system i think it it is a good program and, and a good setup um and i think it takes a lot of the stress out of like being waitlisted and figuring out okay am i going to get into the school and like just you know, a lot of confusion and more emotions there. Kind um, of wrecking them. Yeah, yeah. So that's kind of like the overview of how it works. So you kind of start in summer, hopefully writing your personal statement. You're submitting your applications, usually around December. You'll get interview invitations, I would say like February, early March. You know, do those interviews March, you know, possibly early April submit your rank list middle of um, April and then end of April, that's match day when everybody finds out. Um, so that's like the overview of it. So it is a long process, as you said. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah it is. And now for, let's say for, because this, this uh, personal statement uh, aspect of it is not something that, that exists everywhere. I, it, it may, it may exist some, some place in Europe, but uh, where I, where I come like in Portugal, I don't remember anything that resembles it maybe some programs do have it but can you for people who haven't heard about this can you you know explain it a little bit what what goes into a personal statement yeah uh, and this is for a lot of grad programs like i know other friends and family that have applied to grad schools that wrote a personal statement as well that are not in the genetic space um so with a personal statement I like thinking of it like a way to really let your personality and passion shine through. So where your resume is just like a list of what you've done, your personal statement is bringing stories and making it come to life. So you don't want to just restate your resume in like an essay format. That that doesn't fly. That doesn't help you. So in a personal statement, I think it's really about pulling out What are experiences that you've had that will make you a good, whatever you're applying to? So for me, a good genetic counselor, like what skills do I have that I want to develop further in grad school? Um, What are skills that I admire in other genetic counselors that I want to learn? And really just saying like how you are committed to this field and you really want to do this and be there. Um, because part of it is financial, right? Schools want to make sure that you're going to stick with the program and not drop out because that spot, depending on how the program's set up, may not be able to be filled halfway through. Um, so I know that's the case in genetic counseling. You can't fill it halfway through. So I think that's part of it. Overall, I think the programs are really looking for, we want a really strong alumni network. So we want to have students that are really interested in this field and that are going to go out there and represent our program in a great you know, light. So I think it's really about showing this is the skills I have. This is what I want to work on. And this is why I want to be, for me, like a genetic counselor. 
Um, so more talking about experiences throughout that highlight all of that. Um, so pulling out like an experience that I had, like from being a camp counselor at a grief camp, um, instead of just saying, I did this, I talked about an experience I had with one of the campers, um, talked about a genetic counseling session that really stuck with me and that where I admired how the genetic counsel handled the whole situation from that counseling Mm -hmm. perspective and say, I want to go to grad school because I want to be able to do that you know, obviously in better words than that. You want to be more eloquent than I'm being right now, but um, really just show like, I want to do this. Okay. So there's a strong as- aspect of storytelling. How long is is it supposed to be? It's usually like a page, maybe a page and a half. Page. Like, yeah, I remember like for one of them, I think it was like 750 characters or something like very short okay. or words, probably not characters. That would be very short. Um, yeah, yeah. But yeah, so it's, it's hard to make it that short. <laughs> so you so have to pack kind of a, a lot. It's kind of an elevator pitch for yourself in, in yes. letter form. That's Definitely. that's super interesting. And again, great parallel to, to the job market. Exactly. Where you're writing a cover letter, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of the same thing as a cover letter. Like, you know, maybe cover letter is a little different where you're, you know, focusing more on how that job, you're going to be well, like, you know, do a good job in that role. Um, but a lot of parallels. Yeah. Yeah. And there's a job posting. So you have some terminology that you want to use in the cover letter versus here, you're really drawing on your experience and, and on what you think is going to make you a good, a good candidate for that program. But uh, it's, it's super interesting. And, but it really, I think, like comes back to the importance of doing some networking before, because if you, if you've just been like going to classes and, uh, and taking tests, what stories will you have to tell? <laughs> so uh, I, I really find this interesting. I think it's a it's a very kind of eye opening um, message of um, if you wanna if you wanna differentiate yourself or, or come out of the of the pack in a, in a certain way. Well, you 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 have to expect that people will want you to tell stories and <laughs> and to have the stories, the work has to start way earlier. <laughs> It definitely is very important um, if you can shadow. Um, so whatever you're going for in terms of a career, I think it's really important to shadow and be able to see, okay, what does that look like on a day-to-day basis? Because in your mind, you might be like, wow, that's really cool. I want to do that. And then once you go to shadow, you're like, oh my goodness, this is not what I want to do. Mm-hmm. That's really useful information to say, okay, I don't want to do this, right? So when I worked in a lab, I was like, this is really cool and interesting. And I'm so glad I did that. And now in my job, it's really great that I've done all of this because I'm ordering the testing that I used to do. So for me, it's really helpful because patients ask me questions, I can answer them because I used to do that testing. Um, So that's really helpful. Um, But even through that experience, it validated me that I'm like, I want to be a genetic counselor. I don't want to be working in the lab. That's just not who I am. And that was really helpful. So even to count out different, you know, um, branches of career say, okay, I'm not necessarily a bench person. Um, you know, because what if I loved it? And I was like, you know what, scratch genetic counseling, I want to do lab work. Um, you know, it's, it's really good. And, and sometimes it can be hard to be able to actually shadow a person, especially with, you know, COVID and, and HIPAA. Um, so what I recommend is contact someone and just like buy them a coffee and just chat about, you know, what is your day-to-day work? What do you hate about your job? What do you love about your job? Um, and just do one of those, like what we call informational interviews. Um, because I find that to be really helpful. I definitely did a lot of those. I kind of 
wish I had gone through uh, my bachelor's the way you went through yours. <laughs> <laughs> so so proactive, and you're really applying anything that I need, that I usually tell people in grad school to think about getting their job. You're 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 hitting all the marks. <laughs> right. Start doing it as early as you can. Right. Informational interviews are so important. Yes. But one of the things I I think is you know you, you clearly uh, clearly anyway the impression I I have from this interaction with you and interactions before is and you, you do have a podcast and you have this energy in your voice that you have this ease of approaching people and not not everyone does. Uh, people coming from other, I come from Portugal, but people coming from other culture cultures may have even less, may have this um, maybe difficulty in approaching authority that might preclude them from thinking in their, if they're doing their bachelor's, let's say in the US, of thinking, I can approach the prof and ask them if they have a project I can help in. Do you have a, do you have a word of advice for, for people who might be a little bit more reserved or a little bit more shy about just approaching a prof and you know, what was your experience you know approaching them and did you did you get you know rejected or yes <laughs> I, I don't know <laughs> I'm, i'm thinking of someone to who this makes sense but they're like yeah but i don't know right of just like having the courage to like go up and do it or like finding your wording and just like socially how to approach yeah, that yeah exactly yeah i mean and i have to say like in high school i hated public speaking like i'm one of those people that in high school i would dread it like i'd have a you know some kind of presentation in a class like a month away and i'm just like oh i can't believe I'm, that has to happen in a month like counting down the days dreading it and i think it's just like a lot of other things in life where it's like the more you do it the easier it is You know, so I used to for years would get nervous before interviews, you know, on my podcast. And now I'm just like, oh, okay, yep, next interview, next interview, because I've done so many of them, right? So I think it's just like anything, like riding a bike. It's like once you've got it, you're like, okay, you can pick up that bike 15 years later, you'll still be able to ride it. You have that muscle memory, right? So I think it's similar to that. And I think the way I started when I was in that more like nervous and like, you know, not confident in myself. I think when I was in that phase of my life and just figuring out like who I am and, and all of that, that, you know, I think most of us go through middle school, high school, early college. Um, you know, sometimes it's hard to talk to someone in person. So it's like, maybe shoot them an email and say, Hey, you know, I really um, respect you. And I, I love the research you've done or whatever, right? Like the book they wrote, the art they've done, like whatever it applies Um, and saying like, could we set up like a meeting right after class? Like, could I talk to you after class that way? Like there's a plan in place and you're not just going up to them saying, Hey, do you have a couple minutes? And then they're like packing up their bag and you're like, all right, now I don't want to do this next class. Right. So I think maybe having that approach, um, that certainly helped me. So I was like, okay, I know that I can, I'm going to approach them next class at the end because they said they talked to me for a couple minutes. Right. Um, so I think having some kind of plan and just saying like, Oh, I want to talk to you about this or like to see if there's any opportunities in your lab or to be a TA for your class next semester or year. Um, so that definitely helped me as I got started. And then I was like, okay, I'm getting the hang of this. Like then you can of kind course. of put yourself out there more. That makes a lot of sense. And it's, it's true. It's an easy way to ease yourself in. And, uh, and you know, my experience with, with informational interviews is that people either often they're busy, they might not answer, but most of the times they're really happy to help. And I don't know if it's been your experience too, but um, at worst, you know, the wor worst case scenario, they'll say, "Sorry, I'm busy. I can't." What? There's no, there's no problem in that, and, right. and they might even remember you later on and say, "Hey, you know what? This week I have time." If they, uh, if they were interested in talking with you, so I think 
taking that chance of shooting an email it's not high you know high stakes <laughs> and the, and the the gain could be could be really high in the end yeah and i know in some cases like um if a student reaches out to me and they're not local to me sometimes i'll know of a genetic counselor that is in their area where i'm like we can do a zoom call but if you want to actually shadow in person and see sessions with patients i have a colleague out in whatever like Portland or something where like, let me introduce you. I don't know if she's available, but let's give it a try. Right. So I think that too, where it's like, or if I'm really busy and I'm like, I don't have any time until the end of the summer or whatever it is. Um, but I have this colleague that I know might have some time. So you never know where you might end up, you know, by reaching out to just that first person. Mm -hmm. That that's, that's a really great point because like, you know, the name networking, it's a, ne it's a network. So often people will even recommend someone else if they're not like you said if if they can't or if they don't feel they're the right person to answer uh it, it's a, it's a great great point um kira we're approaching the end of the interview but one thing i really wanted to to talk about and i and i think we can finish on this is you've mentioned that you were doing a podcast even during your bachelor's and uh and you know off the mic you you kind of told me and we kind of mentioned it uh, at the beginning too that You know, going into science communication, in particular, you know, through podcasting, that it has had a positive impact on your career. Is it something that you think can be generalized uh, to to any sort of any type of uh, science communication, in your opinion? Yeah, I definitely think so. I think there's, you know, certainly a lot of people um, are now starting podcasts, and that's something that's more common nowadays. Um, But I think there's so many different types of media where you can get your feet wet, um, you know, even just writing articles, blog posts. Um, I know I've done, you know, quite a bit of that in my career as well. And just working on those communication skills. Um, I think that made my adjustment from graduating from grad school to working that much easier because I had been working on these communication skills And it was much easier for me, like in my job, I have to explain genetics to patients. That's what I do all day. So having the podcast, that's what I also do. So being able to develop all those skills made it so much easier to graduate um, and start working right away. And, you know, certainly you still have the imposter syndrome. I know I've heard that mentioned mm -hmm. on other episodes of your show. And like, you know, it's, it's getting through that. But I think the more exposure that you've had and the more experience is making that easier. Um, so all jobs have some form of communication to them. So I think it's really important to, you know, try it out. Um, you know, there's certainly a lot of, you know, podcasts that are looking for guests to come on to talk about different topics. Um, blog posts are always looking for additional content, social media. So there's just so many different ways that you can get involved in terms of not only getting involved in your field, but also starting to work on those communication skills because then I feel like it's just so much easier to start working because there's enough of a learning curve. Once you start working, I think there's like the three months and then the six months. And then, you know, for me after that, I felt more like, okay, I've got a good handle on this job. But mm -hmm. you know, for that first bit, I think everybody is just experiencing like, okay, I got my degree, but I don't know how to actually do this job. Right. So I think there's always, you know, a bit of a transition there, but I think the more experience you can do ahead of time, um, can really, really help with that and make you more confident. Um, I think that's the big part of it too, that I think I went into my job with more confidence because of that. See, so I want, there's something you said I want to, I want to pick up, but there's a, there's another aspect that I feel 
also uh, and and tell me if you agree that that you get from doing the podcast which is you're 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 keeping in contact first with the research with what's new and fresh in the domain even with scientists because you're interviewing them so for you there's kind of a constant refresher of what's happening in the space in, in your yes. space right <laughs> yeah because you know i graduated in 2020 so i'm still i consider myself a recent grad i don't know how long i can keep saying that but um you know, the further I get away from grad school, I think the more important it is that I keep doing these interviews for myself because I don't want to, you know, just be in my prenatal realm and not keep up to a certain extent to cancer, neuro, pediatrics. Um, so I want to be able to, you know, have a gist of what's going on there. I'm certainly nothing close to an expert in those areas, but I want to know in general what's happening in those fields. And even within my own field, when I do interviews. Um, I find it to be really helpful to like stay on top of it, you know, certainly going to conferences like that stuff, you know, is kind of built in careers to do. But I think when I'm doing an interview, I'm paying attention a little bit more than I do in conferences because mm-hmm. I'm forced to, right? Like I have exactly. to respond to people. The yeah. I'm sure you feel like the same a, yeah, way, right? Same <laughs> <laughs> but so the thing that you kind of alluded to and that, that I, I kind of picked up on, uh, picked up on and, and tell me if, if I understood well. You kind of said, maybe in different words, that you found that communication skills were extremely important to your ability to graduate. Did I hear right? Yeah, yeah. Oh my god, I don't. I, want, I want to so. start another interview <laughs> just right now. <laughs> Part two. But um, I do. I yeah. do agree with you. But can you can you expand a little bit on that? Because I one of the things that I always want to do is to to. Um, uh, motivate people to take on new habits that may be a little bit uncomfortable, but that w- they will gain a lot by, and like you said, by starting them and then by learning them and then by becoming good at them with time. And th- it's it's the first time I kind of heard it the way you said it, but I, I think it makes a, a lot of sense. Can you expand a little bit on that? Yeah, I, th- I think it's important to have those communication skills because, you know, just using myself as an example, like, the job that I currently have as a genetic counselor, you know, when I went into that interview, I was pretty nervous, right? Like this is my first, like, you know, you could say like first salary, full-time adult job, you know, I'm uh, 25 at the time, I think. Um, And so going into that, I think I wanted to show like, I'm a good communicator. And so in order even just to get the job, I needed to be a good communicator because what is the job? Pretty much science communications, right? Genetics. So I wanted to show, you know, the doctor owns the practice. So I wanted to show him like, hey, I'm going to be good at this job. Like, I want to show you that I'm really good in this interview. So I think even that was really important. And then once starting the job, just being able to have those skills, not only to talk with the doctor that I work for and to be able to communicate effectively, but also with patients and to be able to like communicate and, and know that, okay, I'm doing this well. I'm getting my point across so that I felt like, okay, I'm actually doing my job and like I'm doing it well. Um, so I think that was like the biggest part for me was like, okay, I've done, you know, at that point, like eight years of the podcast and doing interviews and I'm like, all right, I'm going to channel all of those skills and hone them into this new job and just like transfer them. Um, because that's what I think made it so much easier because I, I, there's not another genetic counselor to practice. I work at, I'm the only one. So there wasn't another one to be like, oh, don't do it this way. Do it that way. Like I had to check myself and be like, how did that go? Okay. Like meeting with myself, right? Like, all right. Do I think the patient understood everything? Is there something I should change? Is there ways that I could explain this better? 
better analogies, you know? So I think just having all of that is helpful. Um, so I think like, I can't imagine if I didn't have all of that, that mindset, those skills going into it, because I think the job would have been much more overwhelming. Of course. Yeah. Yeah. And just thinking that, you know, you're going to be facing the, the, the public and the clients, et cetera, you know, all just that is just that can be a, a big um, obstacle to a lot of people. Yeah. But, uh, and what about it in grad, in grad school per se, like, let's say um, you talked about working on a thesis with a colleague. Uh, what was the impact of your, of your, uh, your ease with communication on that final part of, of uh, doing your master's? Yeah. So I think the thesis is always like the big, like the culmination of your grad program of and course. everything for a lot of programs. Um, so I think, actually writing the thesis. I think writing is something that, you know, I think even really great writers struggle with writing. It's just, you know, always... It's part of the experience. <laughs> it's, yeah. It's like, you know, you kind of have this really bad first draft and like you just have to do it so then it can get better from there. Um, so I think just having those writing skills helped me and just knowing like, okay, how have I written things in the past? For me, I start with an outline. Say, okay, this is what I want to cover. Like, this is my point. These are my sub points. This is the articles I'm using for each one. And then transferring that into like, now I'm going to write this out. So it's not an outline anymore. So like, mm -hmm. I know that's my process for writing anything, whether it be my thesis project, a blog post, um, even prepping for podcast interviews. Like I just have the same system for everything. And I was lucky that my partner also um, writes in kind of the same way. And we okay. our writing style is very system. similar. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that really helped. Um, but I think being able to like explain, because you know, this is like dense genetic information. We're talking about, yeah. <laughs> um, you know, genetic links to schizophrenia. So it, mm. it was, you know, and there was a whole law aspect to it that I mentioned too. But yeah, yeah. Um, so I think being able to explain all of that was like, okay, like bring water down, water down. Like, what does this actually mean? Like if I'm explaining this to my grandmother, will she understand what this means? She doesn't have a mm. science background. So like I use her as my example a lot. Like if I'm explaining this to her, will she follow along? Mm -hmm. Um, and I've heard a lot of like, use like a fourth grade reading level. Like if a fourth grader would understand this, you've hit your goal. Mm -hmm. Um, so I think a lot of it is just like, okay, you know, does this make sense? You know, working through that. Um, but that was definitely, you know, a big part of, of grad school for, mm -hmm. for a lot of people just figuring out that thesis. And like, finally, when you're done with it, you're mm -hmm. like, oh my gosh, <laughs> you know, <laughs> So, so Kira, we're really reaching the end of the interview, sadly. Uh, but uh, kind of the the three like axes that I'm that I'm getting from our conversation, and there are really parallels between your experience and and your message of of you know getting into grad school from bachelors versus what I usually talk about, which is which is going from grad school to a job. Is the the first like big one is that networking is important, and and I, looking at how I went through through uh through my bachelor's you know so I, i wish someone had told me this from day one but I, i think it's super super important in both tracks let's say and um one of uh, and one of the great great tools of networking you mentioned it is informational interviews is don't don't be shy someone has a kind of a a, a job that really looks whose description is really interesting to you or Uh, someone whose journey towards a position, you look at it like, wow, how did the person come from more or less what I do and then go there and then go to where they are? 
reach out to those people, I, mainly on LinkedIn. That's where I send people because that's where everyone now is having these types of conversations. And you'll see a bunch of people just are so happy to give back and to think back on their time in grad school or in, you know, or in university and to help someone who's coming, who's coming up the same path. So don't hesitate on that. So one, networking. Two, there's that this aspect of, let's call it personal branding, but, you know, in, in, in your case, we, you know, we talked specifically about science communication because we're, we're talking about staying, you know, still within this science track. And, and I think not everyone, you know, can, it has to be a podcaster. Not everyone has to be a YouTuber. But one of the things everyone who's in grad school does or in bachelor's is write. So there's many, many things. You can have a Twitter account where you just give short bursts of, of whatever subject you're interested in. Uh, that you can have a blog if you're if you even really like to write. There's there's many different things, and then of course you can you can go through um the different media that that we mentioned. What's interesting about that is it leaves a trace of your interest in a specific domain. It kind of shows more of you again to to keep you from being that like one dimensional candidate who is a number or a CV. If there's discourse that you have written if there's a prose if there's art that you've made it shows more of yourself so you become kind of a tri-dimensional or multi-dimensional being that is much more that someone who's trying to build a team is going to take much more from that information than what's just on your cv or, or on your gpa um and then uh the third one and let's see if i'm able to kind of bring to kind of bring everything back in um the the third one is the the importance of communication and being able to because you can think and again depending on the culture you come from you might think okay I'm going to university I'm, it's going to be me the books uh, the pens and the grades but society is still happening outside and life is still happening outside so uh, communicating and learning to communicate in whichever medium you prefer is going to be important just not for not only for your personal branding or or you know giving an, an image but for the interactions you're going to have that might lead you into that position in a program or in a job if you if you know how to structure ideas if you know how to quickly you know pitch yourself or the project you're working on it can help you so much in those first few conversations and can open doors I don't know if you have uh, one last thing to add or if there's something I missed, but for me, it's it's kind of the three things that I that I really think are interesting and that, that you brought home really well in our conversation. Well, thank you. I feel like you summed it up amazingly. I don't think my brain could do that. So I'm impressed because <laughs> I'm like, he hasn't been taking notes, but somehow he's able to like put all of this into like a succinct summary. So I'm impressed. I tried. <laughs> <laughs> you aced that, David. Um, yeah, I, I think I think you said it so well. And just like, you know, figure out what you're passionate about so that you can utilize all this and go into a career that is going to be fulfilling for you. Because I think being excited to go to work, I think is like the best aspect of life because we spend so much time working. Um, so if you love your job, like, I think that's just a beautiful thing. Like, I'm so grateful to have found a career that energizes me, that I'm passionate about, that I'm always like, okay, what's my next project? What's my next interview on the podcast, right? And who's my dream guest? And let me reach out, see if they say, yeah, so far, you know, I've gotten a lot of no's, right? But I'm just going to keep going, right? Like just, you know, keep the energy up and everything. Um, but I think you have such a great show here. So such 
amazing advice and I think just great insight for people that are in grad programs or eyeing grad programs and getting themselves ready for it. Well, thank you, Kira. Kira, so DNA Today is on any uh, podcast platform, of course. Um, you can find the show also on dnapodcast.com, DNA Podcast, one word. If people want to reach out to you, where where's the best place to, to find you, to ask you questions, maybe to, to expand on some of the things that we covered here today? Yeah, if you want to email me, you can email me directly at info at dnapodcast.com. There's also a contact form on the website if you just want to go right to dnapodcast.com. Um, but I'd love to hear from you, especially if you're interested in a career in genetics. Um, as we've talked about, like, I love doing informational interviews, you know, it certainly brings me back to those days of like, early figuring out everything. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, would definitely love to connect with people. And if you find genetics to be interesting, check out the show DNA Today. Um, we've got lots of interesting interviews over the past 10 years. Um, mm. And I'd love your feedback too. <laughs> I'm all yeah, ears. <laughs> feedback is always, always good. For yeah. sure. <laughs> uh, do you have a, a YouTube channel too? Yes. If you search DNA today, we should pop up. We're like a green logo. Um, so yeah, we have all of our episodes on YouTube and episodes from the past two years are also filmed with video. So kind of similar to what you're doing. <laughs> Great. So if you're listening, if you're watching, well, subscribe here uh, on the on the YouTube channel, on the Papa PhD YouTube channel, then go to the DNA Today YouTube channel, subscribe there, and you'll get a lot of uh, science-y goodness going straight to your ears every week. I love um, that sciencey goodness. That's that's yes, a great well, tagline. <laughs> I, I've picked it up from from one of the first podcasts that I listened to. It's called uh, Twist uh, This Week in uh -huh. Science. And yes, yeah. of course. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, Doctor Kiki, she was one of of my first uh, guests. She said I didn't think she was going to say yes, and she's see, in my you got to put season. yourself out there. <laughs> it's, see, there you go, just confirming what you said. <laughs> I didn't exactly. believe I, she was going to say yes, and she did. Uh, but um, I'm going to put all of these links uh, that that we mentioned in the show notes uh, of, of this of this interview. Awesome. And of course, anything, if you have any, any questions, use the email that Kira just, um, questions for Kira and the email that she shared, but also uh, I'm sharing her, her Twitter account, etc. And whichever is your favorite platform, uh, f feel at ease to send us questions. We might take some time to answer if we're extra busy, but it will be a pleasure for us to answer. Anyway. Yes. And I should mention that if you're interested in applying to grad school, um, episodes 87 and 97 of DNA Today, I think are really helpful. Those are some of our most popular episodes of the show of just like how to successfully apply to, and get into grad school. Um, so just advice from me and other other students at the time. Um, so if you're, you know, I think those your listeners will be the most interested in those episodes, 87 and 97. Perfect. I'll add them in the show notes too. Kira, this was a great, great pleasure. Uh, I'm super happy that we crossed paths and that I invited you on Papa PhD. I think uh, people will have a lot to take home from what we talked about today. And uh, and I hope they, they send us their comments and, uh, and their questions because it's always very appreciated. And us uh, little independent podcasters, it's it's a bit rare <laughs> that, that we get them. So Yes, anyway. I can echo that. <laughs> well, thank you so much for having me on, David. It was just such a blast. Uh, really appreciate just being able to talk with your audience. Same here. All the best for you and for DNA Today. And again, thanks for, for the work you do. I know it helps a lot of people. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Papa PhD podcast. 
Head over to PapaPhD.com for show notes and for more food for thought about non-academic postgrad careers. I'll always be happy to share inspiring stories, new ideas, and useful resources here on the podcast. So make sure you subscribe on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts to always keep up with the discussion and to hear from our latest guests. Music